Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to For Geek's Sake. My name is Al Sterling. In the studio today with producer Dan. Hey, everybody. We've got technical director Eli. Mm -hmm. We've got co-host Liz. Hello. And uh, we got, listen, we, we got a powerhouse of, of, uh, of guests tonight. Uh, so I'm pretty proud of it. First, uh, our senior legal correspondent. T. Bradford Petrino, Esquire of Corshack and Associates, located in Castleberry, Florida. No M- tea legally. Most of that was correct. Yeah. <laughs> Good afternoon. It was it was all correct. You uh, some of it was just less correct than other parts. <laughs> that's actually the story of my life. And uh, uh, I don't think we ever I don't think we ever got like a title for you, Forrest. Not really. No. That's how the hell. Whose fault is that? It's Pretty yours. Much yours yeah. It's 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 always you yours. Know, Let's I, make. I'm I'm just an experienced man. You just got to roll That's right. Senior uh, experience. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just it's just we're, we'll, we'll go with more like classic. The forest. The experience. Brooks. Okay. Exactly. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. I like that. So yeah. I feel like you could have given him the Knight's Tale treatment and just rolled out a bunch of adjectives oh, that were yeah, very yeah. positive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I can't, I can't do that off the cuff as well. Not that important for us, I guess. I like the experience. Did you once take a vow of silence just to appreciate the sound of a whisper? Nah. Night's Tale? No. It was good. That was good. That was, that was good. Uh, see, we had... Very no, interesting, but nah. So so Brad's done several, but Forrest, we had you on first. What was the first episode we had you on for? Was that was it Luke Cage? Probably. I think it was Luke Possibly. Cage. So. That's that seems probable. Yeah, I remember that episode. I remember the first time that he was on here because at that point we were still trying really hard to stick with the one F bomb per episode rule. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Forrest rolled yeah. through dropping more F bombs and N bombs <laughs> than anything. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll put that. Uh, that we'll was the first that. time we did a, a warning at the beginning. Yeah. Of the episode. Yeah. As far as as far as responsible for the explicit warning label that never got taken down on Listen, Apple. Yeah, it's fine. I did not know that. I thought we were like no, no. screw the FCC. He rules. thought this was like a like, grown-up podcast. Away, yeah. yeah, well, it is now. Now I no longer give a shit. <laughs> okay. uh, although to be clear, no one else drops the end bomb. I just want to be real clear with that. <laughs> F bombs, yes. End bombs, no. There's been a real that 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 rule we have kept. Uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, so we got these guys here because our main topic today is why we geek. And uh, I really, one of the things that I have really loved about the show and doing the show has been uh, our opportunity to bring together a wide variety of viewpoints and experiences uh, and to be able to share those there. So uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that today. So that's our main topic. Uh, also, if you're listening to this on Thursday, then it already dropped. But we also have our spoiler-filled discussion on Captain Marvel. That'll also be, but that'll drop. That'll drop like Tuesday or Wednesday, and then this drops Thursday. So we're going to record. It's all very timey. Time means nothing. Timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. Mm -hmm. Oh, I messed that up. You did. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. It's okay. Stuff. Anyway, so, uh, but let's do some This Week in Geek. Actually, hold on a second. Oh, good. It's me first anyway. No, (laughs) no, hold on. Hold on, hold on, though. You, you, You dropped a challenge to me. At the uh, oh. in last week's episode. Oh shit! What did I drop? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I, listen, I'm gonna be really clear here. And so, I forget about what we said on the show approximately five minutes after. You, you, yeah. It's like math class. You remember you walk out of math class, you're like, no, gone. No, you, you dropped a draft challenge on me. Oh, right? oh and yeah. since I didn't finish listening to last week's episode until this morning, uh, uh. I, I've had I've had a minute, just a minute to figure it out. But you know me, I I my job, I don't really come up with original ideas. I mm-hmm. just I just tear apart other people's good <laughs> ideas. Right, right. right? Uh-huh. Attorney. <clears throat> Professionally, right. yes. Yeah. So so but somebody said, I can't remember who it was, somebody said 
Uh, and Eli did have the best draft. Uh, he did yeah. not. Right here, right here, right here. Right. Global so, warming. Global fucking no, warming. So, somebody said. Somebody said. Glo- now something would work if global warming were the. Uh, we're the protagonist instead of the we're the hero instead of the villain. <laughs> I thought that's it right there. That's there that's go. my draft. So my my draft the global warming would have been the hero. The hero. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought to myself, who's who's the showrunner that's putting together global warming as the hero of the show? <sighs> uh, obviously, it would be CPAC. Uh, would be would, would be would be Damn. putting on this global warming hero show. Uh, I guess the sidekick uh, could be like the Punisher. Or pollution. Uh, they, I mean, those guys, those guys like it. the Punisher. Toxic <clears throat> Avenger. Uh, El Nino. <clears throat> El Nino. Oh. That's not bad. That's mm-hmm. not bad. Also, I thought of, um, oh, well, so the villain, of course, opposing global warming is nothing less. Uh, I remember CPAC's running the thing. The greatest threat to our nation since mm-hmm. communism. Uh, football players who kneel during the national anthem <laughs> are, are villain, and and then it would be it would be a ticking clock style thriller like Twenty Four. This is the setting, so okay. it's uh, twenty four okay. episodes, okay. ticking clock. They have twenty four hours to raise the sea level high enough to swallow all of Southern California before uh, the Hollywood premiere of Captain Marvel. That's that's <laughs> it. Ooh. Boom. That's what I came up with. That's one day. One day. That's uh, well, to be fair. That's more time than we than I gave you these guys. Right, yeah, right. So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we had like <laughs> fifteen minutes. <laughs> Whatever. Get better at your jobs. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh man. All right. So uh, we got so Good Omens trailers first, and this was uh, Brad. You got this one. So what's, what uh, yeah, we you, about? Put, you put me first. Uh, this so Good Omens is an Amazon series. It's coming out uh, May thirty first. I. It's not going to have a lot of episodes. I think I saw it's only going to have six or seven episodes or something. It's a short book, so that really makes sense. Right, and it was a book, uh, the full title of which was, which I never read, the full title of which was uh, Good Omens, The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter Witch, whose uh, bizarre title makes more sense when you find out that it was written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, Mm -hmm. uh, who are both awesome. Uh, and uh, so I don't know a lot about the pro- plot, except that uh, it stars David Tennant and Michael Sheen as a demon and an angel, respectively, trying to stop the apocalypse right before it's about to happen. And the, the, the thing to most be excited about, besides the trailer that just dropped and looks great, is the crazy cast that they got to be in the oh, show. Yeah. Just bonkers. Yeah. Absolute bonkers. So you've read, you've read it? Uh, for I us? have. I have. Actually, it's been rumored to be like a movie for like, Oh, for decades, like yeah. people have. So I'm, I, I'm not surprised that they were able to attract a good cast because people have been trying to get this shit made for like a long time. Well, let's see who else has read. Who else? Has anybody else read it? I, I, no. I, I cannot. So Elijah and and Brad, I would have thought that this. You guys both would have caught this. It's a short book. It's an easy read, mm-hmm. and it is phenomenal. I read it for the first time probably about a couple of years within the last year or two, um, and it actually when when I when I heard the David Tennant was attached. Two good omens officially. I was like, okay, well, look, and as a Whovian, you know, I've obviously want to look at this, but sure. the the book was the book was phenomenal. Great read, easy to do, and it is gonna be it is so beautifully representative of the of the book. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm just excited they've got uh, John Hamm as uh the Archangel Gabriel. Uh <laughs> a couple others that I was excited about is um uh they've got oh uh they got Benedict Cumberbatch to do the voice of Satan. Oh my yes. God. In this movie. Yes. Uh, I guess <laughs> Francis McDormand will be the voice of God. Um, Mark Gaddis has a small part in it, supposedly. He's, I don't know Mark Gaddis. Mark Gaddis uh, co-does co um, Sherlock with, uh, why can't I think of his name, um, on Moffat. the BBC. Oh, uh, uh, Moffat? 
Yeah, with Stephen Moffat, Mark yeah. Marquez, and Mark Gaddis plays uh, Sherlock's older brother. Oh, oh, well, yeah. Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, Minecraft. But he, oh, he, I love that guy. Yeah. Okay. But he's also the co-showrunner with Moffat for the for Sherlock, and he's done other stuff. And the, the director of the Good Omens is a guy who's done a bunch of Doctor Who episodes, directed a bunch of Doctor Who episodes and some other stuff. So, nice. so it's every reason to think that it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and those, these guys, we watched the trailer before the show. These guys look like they're having so much fun. Oh, they absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, I think, and I think really the, the best sign for me that this is going to be good is how short it's going to be run. Yes, because they're not. It would have been real easy to hop at this thing yeah. and just cram a bunch of additional shit in there and stretch it out. Um, but yeah, if you guys, you, if you guys, it, it's a great book. And actually, you know, uh, producer Dan was talking before. Like we, we really are entering a time where there's like. There's a lot of end of the yeah. world hmm. uh, between, I mean, relig- I, with heavy religious connotations. Yeah, it's yeah, just a coincidence. Connotations. Yeah. yeah, it's always <laughs> been there. <laughs> well, because we've got, I mean, you've got, you got these guys doing good omens. We've got, don't forget, Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi yeah. doing, um, oh, what's that show oh, going to be called? On, uh, uh, they've already dropped several episodes. It's called, um, and I know it's like a TBS show. Yeah, it's yeah. on TBS. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Anyway, the, the 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 point there is that Steve uh, Steve Buscemi plays God, which is awesome, right? Um, right. And uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe plays an angel, and they're miracle trying miracle workers, miracle yeah, workers. That's yes, what it is. Yeah. And they've got to make two people. These angels have got to make two people fall in love. Uh, otherwise, Steve Buscemi's going to end the world. And <laughs> it is it is bonkers. Just, so, be, just because he feels like it, or yes, God hasn't really been involved for a long time. Okay, and Steve Buscemi just. Not since George Carlin got cast as a Catholic cardinal in uh, in um, Dogma. Dogma oh, yeah. has have I seen a piece of religious casting so phenomenal. <laughs> uh, but you can catch a full four episode, a full first episode of America Workers on YouTube for free. That's worth checking out. And what was the other one we were talking about too? The Good Place. The Good Place, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is not more to mention about, American Gods. Well, American Gods. Yeah, it's a. It's probably a coincidence. I, yeah, yeah. I we went through the same thing during like Y two K. All of that. I'm old mm-hmm. enough to remember that. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. a bunch of, st- of similar stuff. So yeah, we were pretty convinced the world was going to end then. Yeah. Although I got to tell you, I see a lot more evidence today, but that's all right. Well, you know, <laughs> that's all right. So that's good omens. Uh, up next, Liz, what you got? Oh my God! Disney Plus announced that they're going to be include. I mean, like like we thought this was you know they weren't going to do this for whatever reason. They're going to be including the entire. Disney film library on Disney plus, which is super exciting, but I have one, and not true, but I have one. <laughs> yes, no no Are you really including the entire Disney film library? Because I swear to God, if song of the South is missing, I'm gonna have some bones to pick. <laughs> See, that's my question about Dumbo because I've been wondering like the whole time, like where the crows at? Oh my God. Oh. Did you, oh, the live you watching the live the action? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, are, are, are Diamond and Silk going to make an appearance as <laughs> I, The Jim Crows. So if you're not familiar, uh. if you haven't watched Dumbo and the animated version, don't. Just don't. Let me go ahead and say that for you. Oh. Um, no. No. Don't. 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 It's awful. <laughs> it is. Wait, what? Don't. Have you, when was the last time you watched the animated movie? Listen. I probably haven't watched it as an adult. In, in its defense. I've been unseen by everything when I've seen <laughs> Element 5. It's actually a catchy ass song. No, it was great. <laughs> it was great. And it was very much a to be bit fair. problematic, but it was, can, it was catchy as fuck. Can you look up someone look up what year what year the animated movie came out? But the uh it is a it is definitely not something that is aged terribly well. No. no uh at, at all. <laughs> 
Uh, but yes, there were there are a series of, of singing crows that were literally called the Jim Crows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an important question about them. Uh huh. Is it more racist to leave them in the movie or pull them out of the movie? Oh, 1941. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, we're yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. Yeah, we, we Rosa Parks ain't even on the scene. No, yeah, yeah. Like we're <laughs> we're 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 deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think there's just no there's no right answer to. Oh what no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me let me answer that question. It is more racist to leave the men. Okay. I mean, would you? Because they weren't. I don't know. Because other, I'm like, you gotta lean into it. Like, I like it when the racism is just, like full flavor. You know give, what I mean? Like, give it to me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a it's like a stinky cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a, a serious question serious question though they are far from the worst representation one could imagine that that particular uh-huh. character named or those particular group of characters named that particular thing could have ended up i mean as someone who's probably seen that movie a half a dozen times within the last couple of years because i have small children and it's awful uh yeah. that's it really isn't as bad in practice, as it sounds like on paper, it's not good. Well, I'm not, not saying it's wait, not wait, good. Brad. So you're not. So we're clear, just to be clear here. Brad yeah. is not pro Jim Crow. No, I'm not. I think that's right. really the no. thing we need to establish um, here. All right, I don't know if he's talking about his children, having children, <laughs> or the movie. Yes. Yeah, right. So the children, so, though, all they are actually yeah. pro Jim Crow, which is weird. Brad's working no, on. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll uh, take, care, <laughs> take care of that. But but in terms of. It, it's it's weird. I'm, I'm trying to make a serious point out of this. Like, could you leave those characters in the movie, rename them, give them a... I mean, they're, they're, they're so problematic on so many different ways. It's one of those movies like, just don't remake it. Let it go. Well, you could lead <laughs> into it with the right casting, yeah. I think. You know, you put like... I yeah, don't know. Who, who are you going to put in that? Wanda Sykes and Denzel Washington. No, <laughs> no, no. You want two comedians. Funny, yeah. Dave, Mike, Dave Chappelle. No, yeah, I want to go. I want to go. Martin full, Lawrence. I want to go. Wanda full, Sykes and Dave Chappelle. Perfect. Full Malcolm X with the crows. That's what I want. <laughs> Complete one eighty. Like, <laughs> like violent revolutionaries. I like it. Let's do. Let's do. Yeah, let's I, do I don't shit. know how you make that work. I mean, there's too bad. Can't be. That, can't yeah. be. No, sorry. Give me Simba. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's certain certain ones that I can see why they would probably leave that out. But yeah. I just know, picture I the crows doing this as America. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, no. <laughs> no, well, and I look, I look at that. The, the problem, and the problem is, even if even if you 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 get past the Jim Crows, right? Which I personally know, mm. but the rest of the movie is so problematic mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Wait, really? Why the messaging? The treatment, the whole thing. Oh, wait, wait. Like, I just remembered the uh, movies with Mikey did the whole thing on yeah. it, right? <laughs> yeah, right? which was a bunch of the stuff that I'd kind of been thinking, but I hadn't seen in a long time. And I was like, I don't think I want to go back and watch it again. And then movies with Mikey did this amazing conversation about it. What animation taught us is was the name of this. It was the name of the uh, the episode. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no. And it was like, yeah, no, mm-hmm, this is no. And which is why when I watched the trailer for the live action Completely different movie. Uh, there is a flying elephant. There is a circus. That's about the only thing we're going to keep in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. There's also the feather. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's about the oh, only there's thing. There's got to be an acid trip. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess pig elephants and all that nonsense. But so, here's, so here's my question, especially when it, because we've talked about Song of the South before and we've talked about Whoopi Goldberg came out and made the statement about how she believes that it should be brought back and it should be seen. It should, you know, like we shouldn't be redacting, you know, parts yeah. of history per se. So, right. so when you look at stuff like this, you know, if, if these, if the, the crows really are not part of the live action remake, if we're, we're, you know, we're never taking Song of the South out of the vault because Disney's super embarrassed about making something kind of not great. But like, 
you know, we, we think about like we, we it, schools are banning, you know, it's been done where schools have banned uh, what Huck Finn because mm-hmm. of some of the language that's used in the book. And it's like, so are we are we are we like erasing history in a way where we're going to stop learning those lessons of like, like, can't you kind of like remold like the thought process of like, don't watch this and think that this is right. Good. Watch this and think, okay, shit was fucked up back then. (laughs) I personally, I draw a really, really thick line between something like Dumbo with the Jim Crows versus something like Huckleberry Finn Mm -hmm. versus something that even something like, and I mean, I I would honestly put song of the South over there as well, where song of the South definitely has is is a problematic piece. I'm not saying that it's not, but song of the South is more of an exploration of what was going on at at a specific time. Right. And more of a, and and has redeeming, I think redeeming qualities to it. Um, You could, you could almost update song of the South with a little bit more of a, with a little bit, with a if if you got the right person in there to tell mm-hmm. that story, Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, no, the no, song of the no. South. Oh God! So, so I mean, I, I I'm I'm with you on that. You could definitely, I think, like it's something that if you were taking like a cinema history class, you could totally watch it in the context of being kind of an adult watching it, understanding sure. what that is, having it being aimed at children as the primary market, not so much. As far as it being updated, there's some shit you just can't update. Right. Yeah, like, no, it'd be, it'd be better to make something new. Yeah. But I mean, but what about now? Where does Huck Finn land for you then? Um, as a, I read Huck Finn in middle school. So I feel like it, at that age, I was adept enough to understand. Like when I was reading Huck Finn, I wasn't reading Huck Finn as like, oh, this is fun entertainment. I'm going to go learn. Yeah, it was, it was like an I assignment. I 20 yeah, pages I was of like, this like, tonight. He, right. he called Jim what? <laughs> Yeah. It, was, it was, I mean, it was jarring, but also, you know, I didn't have a problem with, with reading something that was jarring at mm-hmm. that point because it was being taught in an educational context. Right. And there was a teacher there to kind of say, hey, this is not cool, but let's explore why this is not cool. Let's explore yeah. why this language was right. what it was at that time. Right. So in, in an academic context, especially I'm you know, disclaimer, English major, and I used to be an English teacher. I don't have a problem with it like that. Even with like Song of the South or some of those films in, like I said, in a class where you're going to have somebody kind of teaching that. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think maybe, I think that's probably a better way to play. I think at that point, it's an opportunity to become a history lesson. Exactly. You know what I mean? And like, as opposed to streaming right next to Lilo and Stitch. (laughs) (laughs) A conversation about morality and a conversation about right versus wrong rather than, than let's just pretend that this piece of literature never existed. Like, you know, it's, you can take it and use it to, well, one other uh, one other thing too, though, in the article, it said that it's going to premiere with all of the Disney Library available. I don't think that's going to mean it's going to stay that way. Oh, so they're going to take I some think, away and then make you pay for? Well, no, I think they'll release things out of the vault. They'll, they'll go back to their vault model. Mm. I think after the first, I'm gonna guess ninety days, maybe six months. Mm. Yeah, uh, a little something to give you a taste. Exactly, yeah. got to get you hooked. Exactly. I mean, and to be fair, they've already got my money. Like, if I could start paying for it now, let like, me tell you, when they released just, Mo- Moana on Netflix, that was the best two weeks that me and my couch ever spent together. Oh, I love it. I have watched that movie so many times. <laughs> so I love that movie. So good. I will good. say, I, I don't know if I'm stepping on anybody's things. Did you hear about them possibly doing a what if on the Disney Plus? Yes. Yes. So you want to tell them about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the yeah, Marvel's what, uh, Marvel's What If series. Like, uh-huh. what if people Peter Parker joined the Fantastic Four? All of that. So you all that type attention? of stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're looking at doing a, or I've uh, read about 
them possibly uh, looking at developing a what if series that would be not connected to the Marvel the to the MCU. It would just be like all of these one off what if stories where you get to put these crazy configuration of Marvel characters together and, and just see what happens. And it's supposed to be animated and with Kevin Feige signed on to exec produce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's still, I mean, we're, we're still deep in rumor territory here, but yeah, I saw that as a matter yeah. of fact. And that would, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's not down for that. I mean, they're already going to get my money. Like it might right. as well, Disney might as well set up a direct deposit at this point. Exactly. Right. But, like, yeah. I mean, I know it's not coming out till December, but I'll start paying now. Like, yeah, yeah whatever. Here, let's yeah. just go. Yeah. Let's get it out. They just, it they're, just, they're so deep ingrained into our, <laughs> and like, the tentacles are just in Well, the they brain. bought all my toys. Obviously, I have <laughs> yeah. to go over there to play. <laughs> right. Like, that's... All right. Uh, Dan, this looks like you. Oh, God, I don't know if I can talk after that. Um, <laughs> you okay there, buddy? You yeah. Need a minute? I'm, holy cow. Deep breath, cold shower. Yeah, yeah. I can see straight now, so it's cool. All right, so Suicide Squad 2? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, has yeah. been all over the news this week. Not something I thought we'd be excited about. Well, it looks like it's not really a Suicide Squad two anymore, so much as it's just a another Suicide Squad, yeah, a movie called Suicide <laughs> Squad. Second, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 they're they're going to put the word movie. "the" in front of it now. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's going to be the, the Suicide Squad, su- like okay. the yeah. Ohio State. All right. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got James Gunn now on uh, with the script, and uh, I think he's still rumored to be directing. Which is no, he's confirmed. No, he's yeah, he's, he's confirmed. confirmed. Yeah. yeah, he's writing it, and and is literally the smartest thing that DC the has just done absolutely in just fifty the, years. The biggest Hollywood fuck you that's ever yeah. existed uh, in the yeah. history of James Hollywood G- fuck you. No, it's James absolutely like, no brainer. Oh, oh, oh God, where will I ever find work? Oh no, I'll just cry into this giant pile of money. <laughs> no. All right, I mean, well, they tried this once yeah. before. They tried stealing Joss. With Justice League. Yeah. That didn't work out so well. Well, but they didn't give Joss the reins entirely. No, no they yeah. brought him back as a last minute script doctor. Right, you can't. Listen, listen. And Joss can't fix Snyder. Mm-hmm. All right. There's not. Can't polish a turn. No, they, they brought him in to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like the only thing carrying over is uh, Harley Quinn, which is just about the only thing you needed to carry over. I think yeah. really Will yeah. Smith is out. Idris Elba is in. To take his place as Deadshot, I'm more cool, cool, cool. So we're so we're keeping the overly sexualized female character that glorifies mental illness. Great, yeah, yeah. super yeah. stoked about that. No, one. no, but I think <laughs> what kind of a movie would it be without that? <laughs> well, I think here's the thing. I think that in, might be an oversimplification <laughs> of Harley Quinn. <laughs> In no. that iteration, no, it's not. That okay, was that like the worst. Yeah, it in, was the in worst. Suicide, yeah, in Suicide Squad, <laughs> I, I, I actually got little tired monster, of seeing her all of the, Yeah, like movie. it was just. <laughs> but I, I got tired of all the fucking <laughs> Halloween costumes that year. Let me tell you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I think I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think through James Gunn's other work and ask myself whether or not he can he can correct that. I know he will. Well, I have full confidence in because, like Gamora. I mean, if you look at the female characters, like Gamora, and I'm looking, thinking about Nebula, and I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of any other characters that would be that would be, you know, a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know, with those characters, there was still an unnecessary amount of incredibly tight clothing, <laughs> but you actually had some depth to the character. You had some, you had a little bit of nuance going on. Mm-hmm. So we may, I think, we'll see less tattoos. I think maybe one of the things that comes with. Uh, uh, gone there. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to see the Joker with a grill. I'm good. <laughs> on that. Um, so, I, no, f- I, I I always knew that James Gunn would land on his feet, mainly because of all of these 
like Hollywood types that have had like old tweets come back to haunt them. He he's who I use is an example. He handled it the absolute best. Yep. He took full accountability, did not try to blame anybody, said, yeah, you know, some dumb shit I did back then, and I'm changed. And he's shown it through his action over the over the years. So right. I was like, who's going to not give that guy who made billions of dollars another shot? He's got another shot. At this point, I trust what he can, can do. I know that they're not going to, like, have their hands on everything the way that they have with other directors. Mm-hmm. Right. Who's, who's going to, like, question James Gunn's vision after what he's d- been able to do with Guardians? No. I made a talking let him tree billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going to let him do whatever the hell he wants to do. So I think I'm excited for... Hopefully not the first, but a really, really good DC movie. And I'm glad that they're not trying to hamstring themselves mm-hmm. to making it a connected universe anymore. Yeah, they gave that shit up. They, I mean, you Which got it. Which was good. Which, I mean, because even in the comics world, DC comics aren't, like, big on, like, uh, book-to-book continuity. Right. So, like, don't even try. Just make good movies. If you make good movies, we're, we're I'm Gucci. I will pay to see all of them. Just give me something good to watch. Right. So the cast has started leaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to be included here? So uh, all of the guys from last time are out, and they're being replaced with King Shark, which I never thought we would see a live-action King Shark in my life. We've it already a- had a fantastic one on CW, and now we're getting it in the theaters. It's going to be awesome. Um, we've got uh, Rat Catcher, who uh, is being uh, gender-swapped into a female. Okay. Um, who can talk to and control rats. So basically like a villainous squirrel girl. Um, <laughs> squirrel girl. <laughs> next up, we've got Polka Dot Man. But a, will a she villain. do it to the tune of Michael Jackson's man? <laughs> <laughs> to add a little bit of extra villainy. <laughs> nope, keep going. Nope, polka keep Dot going. Man. Keep going. <laughs> oh, Grows polka dots that he uses as weapons. Don't ask me anymore. Um, and then there's Grows? Peacemaker. I'm sorry, wait. Grows polka dots? Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> because Don't comics. Stop. So it's, Don't it's, stop. So it's Boil Man. Wait. <laughs> Next up is uh, Peacemaker, who likes peace so much that he has to curb stomp a fool every now and then to get some. <laughs> and he's eyeing Dave Batista. Of course. Uh. To be Peacemaker. <laughs> um, and then there's the beekeeper. <laughs> I gotta Listen, say, I just like, don't want Killer Croc asking for BET because that was a step too far. Yeah. I was that. Look, the beekeeper is going to be a really, a, a really problematic character in 2019 because if your weapon is literally a swarm of bees and then someone kills your swarm of bees, it's like you're the asshole for fucking up the environment because clearly we know that we need the bees right now. Time out. Time out. There, there won't be a full swarm of bees. All right. <laughs> He's going to have like eight of them. <laughs> that's going to be all that's I. Here's the thing. Here's where I'm most proud of James Gunn. Yeah. I have never even heard of any of those villains. Literally zero. Aside from Polka Dot Man, and that was on like a, hey, I've got villains you've never heard of before list. Mm. Mm. So. If anyone other than G- James Gunn was yep. helming this movie, yep. we would all be very, I'll, very frightened. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. do you think Do you think Polka Dot Man is a social commentary on anti-vaxxers because really he's throwing chicken pox at people? No. That'd be no. great. <laughs> no. But because it's James Gunn, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we, we, yeah, this is happening. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. He made Groot work exactly. I mean, you, you he we made say rocket that, work unless unless he's gotten cocky. We are going to love these characters. We're going to be oh no, sad a, when Rat Girl dies I mean, in the third act, <laughs> and I mean, and my kids are going to have uh, polka dot 
toys. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the work that he's been, that he hasn't like directly done, that he's been just producing on the side has been pretty solid. So yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried at all. Like I'm like, that was, that's how DC, that's how you secure the bag. You secured my bag. He gets so. to do this yeah. and they're still going to use his script on guardians three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and man. by the way, and he, com- he comes from a horror background yeah. before getting guardians. He was oh. a horror director, yeah. which, which he can really lean into on an R rated Suicide Squad movie. Which I'm upset that they didn't because it's like it's, the whole point of Suicide Squad is that you're going to kill people because they're expendable. So right. make them freaking expendable. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not just, not just who was it? Who was it that was a rope man? Or who was the guy yeah. that? <laughs> uh, was it Captain Boomerang? No, no, no. no, no. It, it was the guy who, uh, Slipknot. Slipknot. Uh, yeah. That's not, right. Not the band. Yeah. Not the, not the rope band. Man. <laughs> rope man. It was some dumbass. <laughs> no, it was stupid. No, I'll stand you were, by. You were close. <laughs> I stand by rope man. I got no, I make no apologies. <laughs> I gave, I want you to know. String boy. I gave as much thought to rope man as the, that movie did to that character. <laughs> so I feel no, no guilt. Uh, uh, for that one. What, uh, what, what do we got next here? Go. All right. Uh, Tech director, Eli, go for it. Bring oh. us down. Bring us. D- well, I'll, I'll bring us down, but it's not like all the way down because you know what happened is Alex Trebek, the, oh, the multi-decade host of Jeopardy has been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, hmm. but he's already back to work. He is already back to work. He's already filming new episodes. His contract's extended through 2022. Nice. So he is, uh, listen, there's no, there's no, well, he had already announced that this was his last contract too. He was going to work this out and then, uh, help them find his replacement in the meantime. Did anybody watch his announcement? I, no, I yeah. couldn't do it. He made it. He made a joke about how he can't die because his, he's got to work for three more years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and, no, go ahead. No, and he also he also made a you know he said I'm 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 going to beat this. The odds are low, but I'm going to beat it. And it was a very inspiring message. He was very upbeat in the in the announcement. It was playing. It was all over the news uh, yeah. the other yeah. day. Well, let me argue with the uh, have to work three years because when reading all this stuff, what I found out the, the the most interesting part wasn't the cancer or anything else. What I found out was filming Jeopardy and for the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. twenty five plus years that he's been doing this, they all, they film less. He works less than 50 days a year. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. What? Wakes up. They start at like 630 sharp in the morning, and mm-hmm. they film multiple episodes every day. Syndicated game show is the greatest 40, gig on the planet. 46 <sighs> days straight, right? A month and a half done all year. Now, L- like, I don't know if you guys know, but I have a little game show experience. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. I think we just found our new gig. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like, I love me some Alex Trebek, and I wish him no ill will, but I'm already working on my audition for the mm-hmm. host job. I'm yeah, just saying. Right. Like, Well, I don't know how much Old Mech was getting paid, but they were filming like <laughs> six episodes a day. Old Mech. And it would be like <laughs> they would do the, the moat for all six in a row. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they would do the steps for all six in a row, and then the temple games uh, for all six in a row. Wow! Yeah. So you had like a lot of time. So they only had to reset the between. cameras once, you know, once for each oh, segment. That's smart. Segment. Yeah. That's yeah, man. We missed our calling, right? Like, Damn. can you think of a better, more lucrative job? I mean, it's, it's not a hard job. It's an awesome job. And there's no set changes with he this show. He reads from a card. He reads from. 
You read a monitor. He has to pronounce yeah. lots of stuff perfectly. That's, that's, true. that's true. Yeah. That Every might time. be your kryptonite. Clearly, Clearly I'm out. Charming <laughs> while doing no, it. No, I'm not. Al's out because diction. No. No. You do have to have the most like sly, like positive and demeaning humor at the same time. Yeah, right. Like, right. You got to be able to call someone a dick and compliment them with like the, the slightest tone change in your voice. <laughs> I see, I, Al's more of a Sajak than a Trebek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh no, not that, not that, not yeah. That's a weird. Oh that's wait, the, wait. Yeah, some people should never have Twitter. Um, but yeah. Oh no, what did he do? <laughs> Let's not get into. I mean, it. I knew he was a raging alcoholic. But uh, <laughs> who? Me or yes? Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. The, uh, but but our but but no. But I mean, mad respect uh, to Mr. Yeah, Chibane. mad respect He's, and good luck. Yeah, man, much much love. Oh, and the best Saturday Night Live sketch of all time. Series oh, yeah. of sketches of all time. I'll take yes for I'll take sword for a thousand. <laughs> Uh, all right, this one's me. So uh, uh, Pathfinder was the uh, I would refer to as the poor man's D and D, uh, and that will, by the way, that right there will yeah. get me more hate than the flat mm-hmm. Earth thing. Uh, is announced. Doubt it. Listen, you you don't you don't run bring the hate. Uh, <laughs> two episodes left. Where you come and fight me. The uh, the Paizo, who's the creator of Pathfinder, has announced a second edition that's coming out in August of 2019. So. Um, Pathfinder is a uh, was was kind of grew out of Dungeons and Dragons uh, after their they dropped the third three point five yep and then when fourth edition of Dungeons and Dragons dropped it was not very popular and a lot of nerds got very very upset uh, with they had some decent points and Pathfinder really got its legs grew its legs as a result of that people kind of left Dungeons and Dragons in droves but then with fifth edition yes why didn't they just go back and an addition and play the one they liked. A lot of them did. Okay. Uh, but a lot of, but that's where, where Pathfinder really shined because Pathfinder looked and felt like a lot like Dungeons and Dragons. And, um, and originally pretty much everything for Pathfinder was free, right? Mm. They monetized later, but originally it was like, Hey, look, here's all this cool play material and plus ways to create your own. And it was totally like community, community accessible and creatable. Well, when, when Wizards of the Coast bought TSR, everything just became hyper monetized. They mm-hmm. accelerated. You know, we, we went uh, 10 years with second edition right. AD&D. And then we had third edition, 3.5, fourth edition, all within the space of like seven or eight years. And right. then there were, instead of a handful of supplements, there were all of the supplements, 50 new supplements with every edition that you had to buy all over again. Just like it's the same thing that in my opinion drives magic, the gathering down, which is that it's just, it's too much. It's too much stuff. If you're not spending hundreds of dollars a year on it, you can't be competitive. And obviously D and is not about being competitive, but you want to have, you, you want to you, you, you have all the stuff that they're putting out, right? But, you want the so, new stuff. And if it's too much, you just walk and find something else to do. And I think that's where Pathfinder really shined. And Pathfinder is not a bad system. I don't, care for it as much myself i find it overly complicated um and i find that i didn't actually didn't care for three or three five uh on dungeons and dragons so no um no, pathfinder kind of growing out of that from that model just that was a no i actually preferred fourth edition although i think the, the gripes about it are legitimate but the big so the thing that's happened now i i'm, I'm sorry dad don't fall asleep on me oh, I'm uh the, <laughs> i'm good i'm good i'm joking um but when fifth edition dropped, all of a sudden Dungeons and Dragons got together and decided they'd make a real game again. So when they dropped fifth edition, it I mean, people have been flocking to it and it's been getting rave reviews. And so I think suddenly Pathfinder's starting to feel the pinch and is now looking around and said, okay, we've got to find something to compete. So that is actually why I'm really excited about this, because while I don't think I will I don't think I wanna I'll wanna make the jump, I do like competition. 
Uh, and I think it, I think when you've got healthy competition, you find everything gets better. Everything improves with healthy competition. So um, unless, unless there's a bunch of execs at Wizards of the, Wizards of the Coast right now sitting there thinking like, ooh, it's, I, think, I guess it's time for a 5.5. I hope not. I hope not. Uh, how, how much is Pathfinder going to cost and how many manuals do they expect you to buy? Uh, well, the, I haven't read, I didn't see anything about the price points yet, but I'm, but these days Pathfinder looks and pr- is priced pretty comparably to D and D it's usually about 10 bucks cheaper. So whereas the average book, uh, your, your base books for, uh, Dungeons and Dragons will go off at about 30 a piece. Uh, most of this stuff goes off at about 20 a piece. Although the amount of stuff that you can get for free on it by downloading it from, Either quasi reputable sites or something like that on the on the mm-hmm. Pathfinder side, it's nothing to find those. You grab them all okay. over the place. A lot more. There is a lot more uh, uh, user created content on Pathfinder as opposed to D and D. But that's also even one of the things that D and D has been working on now because there's a lot more user generated content through DMs Guild and through a couple other stuff that Wizards of the Coast is sanctioned. So basically, if you if you remember the Xbox 360 had the uh, Xbox Live Arcade. And all of a sudden, you had a bunch of these independent folks that were building games and releasing them on the 360 for download. Um, Wizards of the Coast kind of took that model and did the same thing. They've got a website now where you can create your own stuff, and it, be, it will be quasi-sanctioned by Wizards of the Coast and will be available and mass to use, and you can charge it. They can make some money off of it, and there's been some great content on there. So I think Pathfinder's gonna. I, the folks at Pathfinder aren't done. Paizo's not stupid. I think they're gonna learn. They're gonna take the best parts of this and and, and probably try to improve on it. So, uh, if the release date is uh, August first. We'll uh, see what goes on. I'll be taking a look at it. Um, oh, and by the way, while we're doing that, you won't be telling anybody about it, though. Well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually uh, one of the things we want to mention is we are actually going to be keeping our Facebook page. So, um, we'll be uh, for those of you who would like to still hang out with us and read the articles and stuff like that. We'll be posting those, posting articles and memes and all that kind of fun stuff on the Facebook page. So you can still feel free to hang out and join us over there. Uh, we will be canceling the Patreon though. I'm not going to keep the Patreon up for the Facebook page. That seems a little, it's a little messed up. Yay. Uh, congratulations. You all get your money back. Yeah. Well, we'll stop taking it. I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. Well, not, not back. Like, back. We're not giving anything no, back. Giving, like you already sorry. gave it to us, but then mm-hmm. you'll just like eventually just start saying a little bit extra in your bank account every month. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that monthly subscription isn't going to come out anyway. Although if your mom wants to send me 20 bucks uh, a month, I will listen to her puns once she, a week. She's, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I could use the cash. I guess I've been listening to them uh, for free for 30 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is going to take us into our main topic. So this one, we're calling Why We Geek. Uh, and the idea here is, is you know, just a, a conversation um, around a couple ideas, like what got us into the geek culture, what, what we're enjoying about it, where, we're, where we think it's going, and all that stuff. So that's, that's kind of it. So we're gonna go, we'll kind of go round table. We'll kind of share our, our thoughts and experiences. But um, being the senior legal correspondent that he is, T. Bradford Petruno Esquire, of course, Shack and Associates, located in Casper, Florida, uh, pointed out that the first thing we should probably establish is, is what we're defining geek as. So, uh, hurt. do you want to? You want to? No, no. You tell me. Oh, okay. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't presume to determine what you would define geek as. But uh, no, I. So to me, I. Would, the way we look to geek on this show, the way we kind of always look to geek on the show, is to intentionally paint with as broad a brush as we can kind of get away with. Um, I know that there is the, the term geek has been used now to apply to anybody who is passionate about something, and I think that's a great definition for geek. However, it makes for a really weird podcast if we start to include gardening <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know, stamp collecting. 
uh, within the geek. Macroeconomics. Uh, right. <laughs> I enjoy macroeconomics. Right. The, uh, yeah, but that's, but we're not going to do a whole lot of stuff. So I would, I would say that anything, I think the way we used to define it, although it's a little, I guess, crude now, mm-hmm. anything that would have gotten you beaten up in high school, uh, <laughs> assuming you grew up in the I, 90s. I mean, stamp right. collecting would totally get you. With, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. true. 1,000%. Yeah. yeah, not true. Stamp and coin collecting was not going to be. <laughs> we really dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's I true. I blame you. That's, that's market. Fair. That's fair. I mean, uh, that might actually be the biggest contingent of people you could put together. Right. <laughs> all at once. Like, what would have gotten you uh, beat up in high school? Yeah, that's true. That's that's true. I didn't. I got, although I did actually do a little coin collecting in high school. I also got beat up a lot in high school. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unintentional room. LARPing. Unintentional LARPing. Yeah. You guys beat me up yesterday. Well, today we're beating you up for a coin collecting. <laughs> yesterday was for Dungeons and Dragons. The day before that was your face. <laughs> See, so okay, so to expand upon your definition of anything that would have gotten you beaten up in high school, I would call like my definition of geek is, uh, you know, belonging to a semi-exclusive group that enjoys things that are kind of one off the mainstream and that are, you know, not really liked by the whole crowd, but revered by those that do like them, you know? And I think that would have been an accurate definition in, in the 90s. Right, See, right. I, I always understood kind of geek or whatever to to apply more to like the sci-fi, horror, fantasy, that kind of yeah. Right. lame, yeah. like anything in there. That's it. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy. Uh, uh, although not, for me, not so much horror. But uh, uh, you know, anything involving anything involving sword and sorcery. Anything you can't just denounce a genre looks. just because you don't like. No. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say it didn't count as geek. I said I personally <laughs> I don't like being scared. But uh, but yeah, anything involving your superheroes and your comic books. Yeah, and yeah. Your, yeah. Like I mean, intentionally as broad as you as you could reasonably get. If you can if you can draw a thin line from that to you know some little nerdy kid with glasses. Then it's probably well. Uh, you're, you're talking about really anything that involves an imaginative world, exactly. or speculative things like speculative fiction, mm-hmm. right. science fiction. Yeah, at least that's what this show has always covered. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it seems fantasy. Like. I, I I think it's fair to use geek as a verb to say yeah, anything somebody's super passionate about. But yeah. right, I always looked at it as like very close to Liz's definition, right? Like. If you woke up to put that shirt that represents you on in the morning and you you hesitated every time before you put it on, like, I don't know if I want to leave the house out of this. Not because you were ashamed, just because you were worried about... I'm going to have to catch some... Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah gonna catch exactly. Some yeah. Then, then that's... that's geek. So, so I'm going to jump to your question there and uh, because it's too related to what is geek, which is like, what what is it about science fiction and fantasy specifically... I don't think anybody here is a big horror fan that I know of. I don't know Forrest. Forrest yep. is a big horror fan. Right. Yeah. I will not exclude. I love that shit. Sorry, okay. And I think, and, I do too. and to be fair, I mean, there's a lot of overlap between the sci-fi fantasy stuff and the horror stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... It's always been mixed together for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, that, what, what is it that where we get out of this stuff that draws us to it that is that we don't, don't get out of reading, you know... Tolstoy or <laughs> or or the lit- the literary classics uh, that we want to waste our time. Uh, well, and I think reading I, like, about re- reading or watching shows about starships and uh, wormholes. Well, I, I think it's different between picking up Clancy versus picking up Tolkien. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to draw, you know, to, something that is much more 
except more mainstream accept, accepted. You know what I mean? Like nobody, yeah. nobody. If you're if you were sitting there reading a Tom Clancy novel, nobody would glance twice at you. If you're sitting there reading in uh, high school, if you were reading, people would pick on you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's fair. The nineties were the nineties were a rough period. Though. You, you still get picked on for reading in school. I can confirm. It's oh, yeah. really dumb. So, wow. no, I can confirm. Like, I wasn't like, I'm not like Billy Madison it over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's well, but I want to start by, I want to kind of start at the beginning here. Was well, the, what drew you into the geek culture well, in the, the first place? Let me touch on the literature thing, though, because I think that the difference between like, and, and don't get me wrong, like, like I'm sure that there are some people reading Rainbow Six, like imagining themselves in that world and kind of like living that fantasy. But I think especially when we're talking about geek literature, it's like, it's a, it's an escape from reality. Like you get to immerse yourself in these worlds that are just that probably maybe a little bit better than what your reality is at that current time or way worse or way worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why, that's why they don't read. They don't read George R. R. Martin. Right. <laughs> you wait till you're done with Harry Potter and then you're like, Oh boy, a new fantasy series. Everything oh. is terrible. But where did you, so where did you start Liz? What got you kind of into the geek culture? I, so it was kind of a, a, a crossover between I was a total bookworm. Um, and, and again, so like, I think what got me started is it's like, I didn't choose the geek life. Like the geek life chose me. Right. Like I wasn't like, I was, I was a kid with weird poofy hair and buck teeth and glasses. So I wasn't like mainstream popular. And so I kind of fell into being a little bit more introverted and, and I always had my nose in a book and I just kind of chose to read more in like the, the geek, you know, style of literature, especially, you know, even as a younger kid, like I was just picking up stuff in the library. I was getting recommended some stuff from my parents. And then, and then in conjunction with that, I also grew up with my brother who was, a kid growing up in the late eighties, early nineties. So of course I was super like, well, I want to be like my brother. So of course I love the Ninja Turtles. And of course I want to play video games. And, and I was very influenced by having an older sibling that I looked up to that was into this kind of stuff too. So. All right. That's cool. Forrest, about you? Um, I kind of inherited what a lot of people call geek stuff because my mom was, uh, really, really into sci-fi. Like we grew up watching like, Star Trek The Next Generation as a family. We watched a lot of like B-horror movies from like the 60s and 70s because she refused to pay for cable and that's what <laughs> came on. So we watched a lot of those. But at the same time, my dad was, when I were, my parents divorced when I was one years old, so I would, you know, stay one or the other. When I would go to, up to my dad's, my dad had like a whole library full of nothing but fantasy books. Like he was. <laughs> okay, yeah. So yeah, he was all in. So it was kind of destined, but it's one of those things where when people hear it, they kind of, huh? But I found that for my, my parents, from the generation that they came from, um, essentially, Living in a society that was very, very much marginalizing you um, in terms of race, um, the chance to kind of dream and imagine a world where there aren't any limits when you're living in a reality where there are so many limits is something that, that they heavily leaned into. So it's, it, was, it was kind of a great thing for them to kind of be imaginative and they passed that on to me because it was a thing where like, yeah, if, if I'm living, like my mom was born in 58, my dad was born in 60. So if they're coming up through, you know, not so great times in America for, for, for black people, yeah, you kind of want to imagine a world that's not this reality. Right, absolutely. So awesome. that kind of level of, of, of escapism was something that, that we kind of latched onto. 
What about you, Brad? It's, it had to have been something like between third and fourth grade, which I guess for me was like 88 or 89. Uh, I read the Chronicles of Narnia. And from there it was, and I'm sure I read, I know I read um, A Wrinkle in Time somewhere around then. All those books are kind of about the same mm-hmm. length and about the same right. difficulty level. And then by the time I was into fourth or fifth grade, it was reading through three dozen different Piers Anthony books. Uh, and then on, and then at some point, uh, so it was all fantasy and science fiction books for a while. And then at some point, CBS ran uh, uh, a Star Trek Next Generation every afternoon at like three or four o'clock. Yep. And so I would come home and watch Star Trek. And then, but I didn't have anybody else in my family who was into any of that stuff. I, I mean, my parents liked that I liked to read and 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 uh, was academically inclined, but. But uh, nobody was like, oh, here, read this, read that. And I eventually found friends that played D&D in uh, late, late, late middle school and, and went on from there. That's awesome. When did you start playing, excuse me, when did you start playing Warhammer? Oh, uh, it would have been about the same time, like eighth or ninth grade, something like that. Okay. Uh, again, yeah, with a bunch of friends. And my, one of my friends had a giant basement, and we had this huge table where we would... Uh, you know, be able to spend when you're when you're 15. You can spend all summer, all day long at someone else's house. Oh yeah, and and uh, that's you know eight hour mar- marathon sessions until oh. you get kicked out. I had to that's go home. Fantastic. Oh, they should give adults summer. Just vacation. trying to live like I'm 15, y'all. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, <laughs> like right before I got the responsibility of a car. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. The car. That car was garbage. It wasn't worth it. No. It wasn't worth no. it. It's not worth it, guys. <laughs> uh, what about what about you, Lodge? How did you get started? Uh, I was. I don't know, just sucked into it, you know? I I was never interested in these things on my own, but I found growing up kind of shy, very shy myself. Um, never had a, a problem making friends, but the only people I ever got along with were, were geeks, you know, kids that, in, that played Magic the Gathering, that were into comic books, that played Dungeons & Dragons. So the first first kids that I found that I really got, really got along with that didn't, you know, Grew up in a, sort of a rough neighborhood, so the first guys that I weren't fist fighting on a regular basis were Dungeons Dragons players. So started out just playing Magic, playing D and D, and it stayed that way. Honestly, stitching out, it wasn't until I was like an adult that I met people that weren't like geeks that were also cool people too. Yeah. Just my experience growing up in you know the Central Florida area here. <laughs> yeah. We do. We live in Geek Mecca. We really truly we do. Got, we yeah. got a we got a we got a good geek, but I mean. Late eighties, nineties wasn't the best. Uh, wasn't the best area. That's very different now than it was. Yeah, you know, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What about, what about you, there, producer Dan? Uh Willow. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Mad Spaceballs. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Okay, so you came at it from a cinematic. I, I came at it from movies, yeah. mm-hmm. and then uh, the first comic book I ever owned was the Incredible Hulk three sixteen which was Hulk versus Namor, Iron Man, Hercules, and Wonder Man. And that book is in shreds now, but I still have it to this day. Nice. Um, I've read it about a billion times between the ages of 5 and 12. Um, and when I moved to... I moved around a lot as a kid, and my older siblings were like 10 years older than me. So it was kind of like being an only child and yeah. moving around a lot. And the most comfortable place that I found when I moved to central Florida was the neighborhood comic book shop. So were comics like, uh, I guess comics have never been, it was hard for me to kind of imagine comics as a geek thing because everybody I knew 
loved comics as a kid. Oh no, absolutely. Like nobody, yeah, absolutely I, nobody, I, like everybody that I knew, like all of the cool kids, my cousins and all of that were all into X Men and like Spider Man. Like nobody thought that that stuff wasn't cool. So even though I know it's like firmly in the geek place, it never seemed like. Oh, you're weird because you really know a lot about this. Oh, stuff. I only had it like was... three kids growing up that I could talk to about comic books. Like, I was yeah. to say I don't. I don't think I knew any anybody my age that was openly into comics. Yeah, like when everybody I was a kid. loved this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Newsflash, Horace, you were just surrounded by geeks. I was yeah. apparently. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I was surrounded by a lot of urban geeks. Apparently. <laughs> so for me, I was. I think it, mine looks. Looks pretty similar to Brad too. Is I I discovered I think through books first. My mom was also a huge geek. Watched Star Wars or, she, or uh, Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, the original series, and then mm-hmm. I watched uh, the Next Generation. That was actually one of the only one of the only really solid times that I remember of me, my mom, my dad, my little brother. Like the time that we would all get together was to, was was to watch Star Trek, and then uh, uh, to watch. Um, Way back in the day, Disney used to do uh, Walt Disney. They, they do like a movie mm-hmm. once a week where the Walt Disney presents, I yeah, think. Yeah, the Sunday mm-hmm. night movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that and Next Generation, those were the times when the whole family would get together. We'd sit down. we watch the show. we watch these things together. Uh, and then I did. I found Narnia. I found Wrinkle in Time. It's the same thing. Pierce Anthony, J.R.R. Tolkien, and I just kind of went down, went down the rabbit hole. I had the trouble, though, but slightly different because I had a big mouth. <laughs> And uh, annoyed the past hell. Tense. What's with the past tense that's, there, Al? That's true. <laughs> well, my, my mouth, my big mouth does not get me physically beaten. Oh, that's true. Uh, mm. Anymore. So uh, uh, that's what his wife told him to say. That's right. she did very much. That's why I wear the long <laughs> sleeves. But the uh, but yeah, there was so that for me was was a big piece too because I think you know similar actually kind of feel like an amalgamation of a lot of you. So the geeks were the first people who I felt like I felt like accepted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the mm-hmm. first place where I felt like. I could be myself and where I found people who would, who would, you know, who I could get along with and who I could respect. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other place that I kind of found my tribe was in community theater mm-hmm. and the, the theater geek side of things. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And those motherfuckers are nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. I'll never forget the first. Although that is the most sexually active to. group of nerds. No, yes, band. we are. Band. I mean, Oops. sorry. Band. Oh my God. Band. band. <laughs> Right, so I the band rooms are sound. The the the, the, the yeah, private, yeah. less like practice rooms are completely soundproof. Well, I mean, hey, you know, sometimes those bus trips are long, and you just gotta, you know, you gotta pass the time. Pass All right, time. this is weird. Let's move along. Uh, There's so, nothing wrong with a little finger bang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got four on the show this week. Bang, 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 bang. Uh, <laughs> All right, so what do you guys? So, so this one, we'll go around the room uh, for for the, for the for these last two, but um, just kind of anybody here what do you think is the best thing that's going on with geek today anybody i think i think the normalization the mm-hmm. normalization of geek i think it's 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 really you know like we've we've created such a mainstream love of geekdom that we've paved the way for like the next generation behind us to not catch all the shit that we caught for liking the things that we liked like we are like making it super okay to wave your freak flag Geek flag, <laughs> your geek flag fly. Your geek flag, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a good call. I, I, I have a short answer and a long answer. That's the same thing. The short answer is Netflix. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The long answer is the democratization of uh, media, and there being so many platforms, and it's so easy for 
not easy, I'm sure, but it's so much easier. There's so many more outlets that creators can put their vision out there. Mm-hmm. The resources are cheaper than they've ever been to be able to uh, right. do special effects and, and do things. So, we, and, and that gives us the kind of choices uh, that, that are out there. It's not, you know, it's not Star Trek or nothing because nobody else wants to spend that much money right. on a big budget show. Right. It's, it's shows. I, I still couldn't be more impressed by Altered Carbon, for example. It's oh, like such yeah. a hardcore, <sighs> so good. deep dive. That to come back. Philosophical, uh, philosophical. It's a philosophical treatise. It's an action show. It's a very clearly very expensive, uh, yeah. big budget show. And and where w- nobody was ever making that before. There was mm-hmm. a Netflix competing with a Hulu, competing with an Amazon, competing with HBO, competing mm-hmm. with network television, right? right. And, and all of that. <clears throat> I, I just that that's the best thing. Remember when all your geek was just confined to the Sci-Fi Channel, right? And all oh. you got was just like like low budget B rate. Like oh yeah, sci-fi. Those awful. yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I, I mean, I was here. You for got it. something I to say about Sci-Fi Channel shows? <laughs> no, not. Is a that damn what we're thing. doing now, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> only they're great only now. <clears throat> they're totally great now. Yeah, but to say there was this. I disagree. No, they're, even, they're pretty saying, great since the 2000s. Look at how far we've expanded from. Look, that's you, what if it you remove Stargate from the conversation. Mm-hmm. The average drops through the floor. It really does. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. No, was, I'm had, not used to enjoy we Eureka. Had Farscape. And there was Farscape. That there was sci-fi. Other, there were some other. There were some great ones, but there was a lot of hot garbage <laughs> on there. No, there, there was, it was all filler. It was all filler between the Stargate episodes and your other occasional uh, yeah, uh, and your show. Eurekas and your fart. And there's come the yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think to your point, the fact that there are so many platforms means that there's a lot more hunger for content. Mm-hmm. Like right. everybody's trying to get their thing off. So. And once people figured out that something like a Walking Dead could be a, like a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. or that Game of Thrones could be a cultural phenomenon, everybody's kind of searching for that thing, which means that there's a lot more room for 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 artists to be able to tell it or for all of this material that's been here like this whole time to be mined. Like there's mm-hmm. never really been a better time to be a geek into all of this stuff because you can actually find it fully realized and we actually have the technology to make it happen. Uh, another example is, uh, I should have mentioned when, when it was my turn, uh, was <laughs> is anime. Anime, I, I, I fell in love with anime the instant I first ever started watching it, which would have been something like 1996 mm-hmm. or 7 when kids, even, that, seemed, that sounds late. It's not like it's we're in the 80s, but kids were trading VHS tapes yeah. at school <laughs> so that, anime movies like Vampire Hunter D and Akira and Ghost in the Shell got could, could get seen by people because and then a l- slightly later than that you know uh, Tsunami yeah well Cartoon Network and Sci-Fi Channel both kind of got the hint mm-hmm. early on started doing uh, later Adult Swim and before that uh, Sci-Fi always ran an anime movie at like late at night mm-hmm. like at midnight yeah. or something mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's another thing. That's now it's everywhere, everywhere. I, practically every week, Netflix has a new. Most of them are crap, but <laughs> Netflix yes, has a new new anime show. Uh, Hulu's got a ton of, and, and that's really cool too. And I have a question for this. The kind of a through line. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No off. problem. This uh, for me, the there's a through line for anime and um, kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, all right. That. I grew up with everybody in in my hood always loved kung fu movies, and then I noticed everybody loving anime movies, and then from that, at least from my for for the people that I know, that was a lot of folks' entry into this kind of geek stuff. They like there's that was a big through line. All right. Uh, so my question for the floor: Aeon Flux, anime or not anime? 
Okay, so so I'm going to say that from a literal definition of anime, Mm -hmm. anime has to be has to come is is regional. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's it's like champagne or scotch. Uh, yeah, bubbling wine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bubbling, it has to be bubbling bubbling. wine. Sorry, yeah. I, thought you, I thought you were comparing champagne to other things no, that call like, themselves champagne. It's, it's, that ve- it's very important. No, bubbly it's, wine versus champagne. No, no, it's very, it's very important that anime be be created in Japan, illustrated mm-hmm. by Koreans, and manufactured in Taiwan. Exactly. Or else it's not. Right. It's exactly. like Chianti has to be 70% Sangiovese. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, but I think I think so. I mean, as I would look at that, I would look at Eon Flux. I would also look at Avatar: The Last Airbender mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as stuff that was very obviously heavily influenced by anime, anime adjacent. Uh, yeah, it's, but an, I it's anime style. It's an anime style, right. but I wouldn't consider it. I wouldn't consider it anime. Okay, I think that's just. What do you guys? I don't know. Feel people got. And and nobody yeah. at this point. And there was a time when you could have. Uh, nobody ought to be saying I'm not watching this because it's an anime style show and not true. And who care if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, but that's a oh, kind right. of, there's, we're, we're going to get to that. There are some hardcore nerds that uh-huh. are just coming in. Yeah. No, I know, but we'll, 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 we'll um, get to that in the last question. Yeah. I think, um, actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, uh, I think for me, the, the greatest thing is that a rising tide, we kind of, what a lot of you guys have said, a rising tide raises all boats. Right. Mm-hmm. And so while, you know, the MCU suddenly and, and Harry Potter suddenly put a lot of this stuff in the mainstream, what that also does is it, lends itself towards legitimizing, there we go, legitimizing a lot of other kind of like more out there stuff, you know, like stuff like before, before we started doing the show, I would, I've never, I'd never once done any, any actual LARPing. I remember no sticks and we played and whatever, but like formal life, I would never have done it now. And these guys, and now we we found that group, and that group was not, not only were they kind of amazing, uh, they were super cool, but they had on a Saturday morning regularly putting 20, 30 people out in that park, uh, swinging foam weapons at each other, and yeah. I'm like, dude, in Florida heat, in Florida heat, like these, and these guys are men and women, and that's the thing, the democratization of it, I think too, has opened it up to not just be for one group, but you're now seeing representation across the spectrum. So you're seeing you know, men and women. You're seeing representations from the LBGT community. You always do a lot of stuff. And I think, I think that when, you're, when, you, when we talk about a world where main characters are no longer even human, yeah. it suddenly doesn't really, you know, a, a lot of the other stuff that we would normally get hung up on really kind of starts to fade away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, that I think has been the best thing about it. Uh, anybody got a thing before we, before we tackle the, uh, the ugly side? No, no, I mean, uh, uh, just, other than just to say that the, the thing that I love most about it at this point is just how how wide open it is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the fact that we can go cosmic, the fact that we can go interdimensional, the fact that we can do all of this stuff when before it seemed like everything was was extremely limited. Like I, I grew up on like. Conan and Red Sonya and shit like that. Oh yeah. my god, yes. <laughs> I remember watching <laughs> Which I mean, I love those movies, but or Beastmaster. Oh were, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was there all was the, all the TBS so, classics. Yeah. It's yeah. only so far you could go with that, but now it's like wide open. So I'm I'm glad that we can kind of really explore that because one of the things the great things about science fiction is it's like modern day philosophy. You get to kind of take these kind of philosophical questions and just enact them out in this kind of fantasy form and just see right. what happens w- when you do this. I'm so glad Forrest said that because I don't think that we got a satisfactory answer during the previous mm-hmm. round on, on what do you get out of geek? Mm. And, and because you know, escapism is not, not a bad answer yeah. um, because it does get us away. But I hope, I, I, I hope, and I don't think the point for most people is, is, is the escape all by itself? Because you can escape in any kind of a story. Why are you escaping? Why is it that you are, feel drawn to escape into a 
a science fiction or a fantasy story mm-hmm. and horror. I, I don't mean to exclude. Uh, and you know, and and why why are why are we historically marginalized or mocked for wanting to? spend time in a fantasy world or a science fiction world, why are those things not cool uh, while, you know, obsessing about baseball stats to go back a a generation or so, or maybe two, is cool, but obsessing about the, you know, lineage of the elves of Lothlorien is very not cool. (laughs) I'm not trying to say it is cool. I'm just, why, why, why the hate? Why the hate? And, um, you know... Tolkien, uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis uh, both wrote extensively and lectured on what the importance of, uh, at the time they called them either fairy stories or uh, Tolkien wrote a uh, long essay, or actually gave it as a speech in like 1939. It was later published as an essay called On Fairy Stories. And one of the things that he wrote uh, in that was that, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase him because he didn't use the phrase, the word fantasy story, but that, that a fantasy story isn't, an end to itself, but it's a way of getting at, he said, certain primordial human desires. One of these is to survey the depths of space and time. And Mm. it gives you a way to think about things and explore ideas, which again, a primordial human desire desire to explore ideas uh, and explore places that we can't really go Mm. and situations that we can't really experience. Uh, And um, so that's... um, well, it's kind of like, you know, as a 12-year-old kid, people aren't going to, adults aren't generally going to sit down with you and have a real discussion on social issues. Right. Very often. But you can pick up a copy of X-Men and you're basically reading the civil rights movement. Right. You know what I mean? But in a, a speculative version of, of that where you don't have to take it quite so hard to absorb it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think I think kind of to touch more on like your question as to like why is why is this looked at as cool and this is looked at as uncool and I think I'm gonna try and say this is like like in the most like least controversial way possible. But think oh, about I'm gonna say it very controversially. <laughs> so I'll give you well, well, I'll give you well, a think fair about it. Think about like the you know the stuff like re, like I like I was a kid like attempting to read Tolkien because it was difficult. I was even at the high you know quote unquote reading level that I was in. It was difficult, but think about it. It's like it's like the things that we define as geeky, the worlds that we delve into that are that are you know defined as geek are are it kind of require a little bit of a more higher intelligence almost, and it's it's not easy for that to be mainstream. A lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people like the the quick, easy what everybody else is doing. I don't have to think too hard about the things that I enjoy kind of stuff, and we've really got to like come up with these worlds and and get into the you know I mean think about it like you're like like the different houses in Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. like memorizing that stuff and like, right. the, you know, like, like, f- you know, the faith folklore and all of this like background mystical stuff. If you're getting into the fantasy world, like I think it's just I, like, like I was, when I was a kid, I was put into the gifted and talented program, which I later in life found out meant I was just a fucking weirdo because <laughs> it was me and <laughs> it was me and all my nerd weird friends that were you know, and we read the Hobbit and we watched the Hobbit animated movie and like our, our GT teacher like traveled to Japan a lot. So she taught us about Japanese culture and anime and this and then made us eat goldfish with chopsticks. Like it was, you know, we were all just nerds. Like we weren't smarter than anybody else. We were just, weird and used our brains differently. <laughs> well, and I actually I actually would go one step beyond. I mean, I think I think using sports as a, as an easy analogy here, 
um, I think just has a lot to do with what society values at the at, at that time. Yeah. So you society was valuing things that either made things that made you either powerful or rich or preferably both and, yeah. conf- and conformity and conformity. Yep. Right. So it's easy to become obsessed with sports and sport. And I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking sports statistics. Sounds I'm a little bit like you might be. No, but <laughs> I mean, but I think that if you want to talk about, there was, there's a direct line between obsessing about baseball because baseball has been defined by the, by, by the, the majority of society as being cool and being desirable. And it's also, go, it's also manly. It's also very, yeah, very yep. traditionally masculine, not according to Madonna and Gina Davis. Uh, <laughs> but so I think, and I think, whereas I think, I think when you're doing stuff that lends itself towards a traditional definition of masculinity, as well as things that are, you know, also things of power and money, then that's obviously going to be things that are going to be more acceptable. And what you see from the grownups is what you emulate as a child. So, you know, when, you know, running around talking about magic spells, there's not real, you can't, that's not real. And so that I think becomes a real easy thing to then be able to beat up because it's something that doesn't make sense that you don't understand because it requires, to your point, requires imagination and Mm -hmm. it requires stepping outside of yourself. And it's not something you can draw a direct line to making money on. So I think I'm going to call just a slight bit of bullshit on that. Sure. Because um, I've, I've had conversations with my, my, geek friends, let's say, and my sports friends that are identical. We could sit around debating who would win in a fight, Superman versus the Hulk, just like we could sit around debating who is a better running back, Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders. Well, and I think, and I think well, that we're speaking as an adult, as an adult, you can do that. No, I think it's no, kids. I've been doing that since I was 12. Right. No, but that's the thing too. It wasn't, but it was about what the, it was about what society valued more. But here's the thing, especially in this current time, the line between geek and sports has blurred and right. is almost gone. That's true. I agree with that. There, there's yeah. two different sides to sports. Now there are athletes and there are fans, right? And the fans, especially now, are looking at statistics in a completely different way with the emergence of fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's, I mean, and, I, I, and I'm talking the about the line where, where sports fan and geek culture once was has completely faded. Right. But most when, wh- sports radio shows that you talk, that you listen to during the off season, half of what they're talking about is Marvel movies right, but versus when, DC movies. When like, you were, when you were totally on board, when you were 12 yeah. was one of those group of friends more likely to get beaten up than the other group of friends. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so I, yes, yeah, but what? Yes. It, no, because was, it was the same group of friends. It was me, yeah. Eli, and Casey who we would go from playing basketball outside and into reading comic books in the bedroom. Well, so that's as a, as a guy later. who didn't have the option of going out and playing basketball because yeah. I was terrible at it. I can tell you right now, nobody was going. Oh, we were all god awful. Well, <laughs> I will say this: for it, it, I think it kind of depends. Like again, when it comes to like the comic book line, that between the sports stuff is never really that's never really been a deal like where they they didn't overlap for me at least um where it did get weird and folks would kind of be like really you into that is when i started getting into fantasy shit yeah that's when people were like okay you just went level five on me i don't know what the fuck to do with this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean if we're talking about you, you mean it, yeah it's one thing to talk about you know superman versus the hulk it's quite another thing to talk about <laughs> glimly versus thorin you know what i mean like you're you start that i think you're you're well, I think it goes back to a big social interaction, social equity thing, right? Like mm-hmm. sports, traditionally, it's it's built around it's you're playing a game, but it's very social. 
you know, and mm-hmm. old school geek, like if all of our parents or grandparents' generations, they didn't really have the choice to be social with it because you didn't have the same type of interaction or connectivity that you have day today. Back then, you would play sports. There were sports fields and sports temples in every single neighborhood all over the country. Mm-hmm. So you could just walk down the street and join a group of fans, but you never had that option if right. you read Tolkien. Like, how do you, right. in 19, you know, 1970, how think do you find Tolkien fans? Right. Exactly. But with the access to information, like it's been pointed out for Netflix and Forrest's talk, Talking about like with the access information, now you can connect and find those people that share the same interest mm-hmm. and, and form a conversation and 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 geek out over these things to where to the point you never could before. You never you even had what? the option to it. I mean, pre-internet, if you were playing fantasy sports, you were the biggest geek of the sports world. <laughs> like, yeah. you were an outcast, just like a Tolkien fan was an outcast. Uh, one thing that you kind of said that that kind of just sparked my memory a little bit is another thing that's that's happened that has kind of opened up the landscape is like Saturday morning cartoons. Like everybody that I know grew at, that's in my age range watched the '90s X Men cartoons, mm-hmm. and if that ain't a setup ah. for getting you into Marvel, I don't know what the right. hell is. So it never seemed that at least that particular aspect of it never seemed not cool because everybody watched that. And, yeah. and superheroes <laughs> definitely bleed in. I've always bled into the mainstream. I think more than a lot of yeah than a lot of the other stuff. Well, I'm just at least like, the iconography of it. I mean, I remember when Cass, um, when the Batman movie first came out in 80, was it 89, 90? Yeah, 89, like, 89. Cass was literally walking around Brooklyn with the hats with the Batman logo yep. on it. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Wu-Tang, like, uh, what was it? Jizza and mm-hmm. the whole Iron Man joint. Yeah. And uh, not Jizza, um is it RZA? RZA. Yeah, RZA would do the um, whole Iron Man joint. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of, at least in, in, in hip-hop culture and all of that, yeah. there's kind of always been this... I mean, look, even in Spike Lee movies. Yeah. I mean, Zeppelin... Black Panther eats pizza, we eat pizza. Yeah. I mean, Zeppelin... Up and did Tolkien too, so you got to kind of. Yeah, <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, okay, there was one line about Mordor in a song that didn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you take this from us? It's all we've got. Uh, all right, so what's the biggest danger in geek going forward? <laughs> you know, so I'll, I'll so let, me, let me start with this one because honestly, I really? think really, yeah, <laughs> no, but I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say because wow. because no, because the 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 toxic masculine bullshit incel nonsense is going to sort itself out eventually. Like they're not bridging. Really? Yeah, I was gonna say that's fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, they're not procreating. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <by attrition. laughs> um, no, honestly, I think I think you know to keep it a little bit more wholesome and talking about like protecting the continuity of geek, like I think the biggest danger is the same thing that is what makes it so great right now is the the openness and the mainstream aspect of what geek has become could potentially I mean look at Look at what's happening with Game of Thrones right now. There is such a a mainstream following and a high demand for this content yeah. from show watchers that, I mean, book fans are pissed right now. You know what I mean? We don't have the ending to our story the way we wanted our story to be ended. And, and we have a, a story that's completely different than what we've already been reading to begin with. And so it's like this oversaturation and this high demand and we're in the instant gratification generation and you know we like think about our geek and what like we are used to being just way too patient for our content and for our stories to finish and now it's like we need it now we need it now we need it now and so it's like I see the potential for things to start getting rushed for storylines to start being sloppy and and you know it kind of ruins it a little bit I think it comes out I think one of my things I mean 
we have to we have to address we have to address the toxicity. I think we can't talk about yeah right after the opening of Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I mean we have to these these guys these guys are and I say guys. And I mean, I don't mean that in like the generic nomenclature to like, hey, you guys, like you, like no, you males, <laughs> no male, males specifically, like I mean, men. You, you basically, yeah, you basically, men, you basically males. expected yeah. me to come out and be like, oh, what's the biggest danger I'm for geek going forward? Like you know, the the fucking MRAs, like obviously, but yeah, that's, about what? But uh, the males and females. Oh no, that's a stop. It's a different kind. But no, the, I know. To this, to this piece though, the toxicity. I think the toxicity is threatening to is, is definitely. I think the single biggest threat that we face today. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it is going to be. I think it is a piece of a much larger culture war that is going on and uh, throughout the United States. That is that overlaps heavily with politics. It over overlaps heavily with religion. Uh, it overlaps heavily with with a lot of other things. And one of the problems with geek going mainstream is that geek went mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that if we do not get a handle on that, I think it's we're de- it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. But there is a constant. I think there has been a constant pushback from the geek community from the beginning um, because a lot of one of the things about being a geek was we bro we were all over the internet long before y'all were. Okay. <laughs> y'all started getting in when the Prodigy and AOL CDs came out. Wait, like, bitch! I've been in a BBS for five <laughs> years. You think I'm impressed? With your AOL address? Bitch, I had Juno.com. Okay? You even heard of that. Anyway. Um, but you showed uh, me some really scary stuff in the early days. Dude, <laughs> listen. Lord, uh, what was it? Trade Wars and uh, oh, yeah. Legend of the Red Dragon? Listen, my first girlfriend loaded line by line. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. We're done. Nice. That's it. No, that's okay. it. We got to go out on top. We're not even doing a show <laughs> next week, guys. Show, show title right there. That's it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think so there was so that, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, regardless of how you feel about the politics of it. It reminds me of when you see like these, these old white dudes coming for uh, 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 Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Twitter well, and you're like, you're yeah. watching them do their moves and you're like, bro, you know, oh, yeah. bro, you are so out of your league here, dude. She's she controls Twitter. You don't <laughs> you don't you are not prepared for this fight. Well, I, I think that, that you're hitting a kind of an aspect of it that that ultimately it's it's a challenging of identity and a challenging of ownership of identity yeah um there is a group of people who and again i think this is where you kind of have to identify that that there's there's almost like two separate geek cultures because the geek culture that i grew up in definitely was not is not on that particular shit but I recognize it because I've interacted with them when I've gone into comic book stores or whatever because they're the type of guys, the same way that they act towards women, like, what do you really know? When I, as a black guy, walk in there, what do you really know? Like, gee, I've been on this shit since I was a kid. Like, what are you talking about? But remember, that's that's not just geek culture, right? Like, there's a reason at the State of the Union address, uh, a whole contingent of women all dressed in white, right? Like, this is endemic of society, not just geek culture, although it is definitely showing itself heavily. Well, yeah. and I think, and, and, I think it, and I think it reared its ugly head in geek culture in mm-hmm. a way that predated a lot of it. It was a harbinger. Yes. Of, of some of the problems that came after. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like you can follow a through line with these guys. Like they start off as um, the, what was the relationship guys? The, the pick, they start off as pickup artists. Yeah. Then they move from pickup artists to like, um, to geek commentary. And then they move into MRA and then they move into alt, right? It's like a full on. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. can see it yeah. like so it's and all of it kind of boils down to whatever they had that they considered their thing, their particular toy. Flat they Earth. don't want anybody else 
to play with their toy. Right. right. So they, they like viscerally fight against anybody who, who else, you know. Who yeah. Well, and it's, I think about it. Like you're already, you're already delving into a culture that has been scorned by, by society, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so on top of that now, you know, like it, it is, it's a protection of like what was like, what was sacred in a way. I mean, cause, cause I I, I can relate to it because I was that person when HBO originally announced that they were that they were putting Game of Thrones out. Like, yeah, of course I was excited. I was like, wow, I get to see one of my favorite stories and some of my favorite characters brought to life in a in a in a in a movie in a TV series. Like, that's awesome. But at the same time, like when it got so insanely popular so fast, I was like. Hey, fuck you. I got made fun of for yeah. reading these fucking books because people would ask me, what are you reading? I'd be like, oh, this is a great fantasy series. I mean, there's a brother and a sister. I mean, they're totally banging each other, but like, I promise this story is really good. <laughs> and people were like, ew, you're weird. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's don't on lead HBO. Off with incest. Right. <laughs> maybe next but, time, I mean, talk like, about dragons. Maybe the first 25 yeah. pages lead Listen, off with incest, though. Like, right, right. But to say, to be fair, we didn't get dragons in the books until. Like, yeah, yeah. like the end of the first yeah, book. They, like, they, they were, he was, there was incest and throwing small incest, children off of towers. Yeah, there was incest. There was there was ch- yeah, attempted child murder. Uh, there and was everybody who you thought was a main character, right? Dies. There's cutting right. the protagonist's head off, and yeah. then oh, and then all of a sudden there's dragons. Cool. Let's keep going. They actually didn't even. So, yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's not. It wouldn't be true to say that politics has invaded our our science fiction fantasy because it's always it's clearly always been there. It's a hundred percent. Absolutely. It, it's more true that people figured out. By, by, by the genre going mainstream, people figured out that, oh, there, there are political messages here. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> to and which Stan Lee said, duh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it took you this long to figure right. that out? Because, uh, listen, X-Men isn't subtle about the whole I mean, civil rights thing. They are literally social justice warriors. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. They are. Exactly. <laughs> so so, so it, it seems to me what, what really happened is, is, yeah, people figured it out, and then I, I think the number one poison in our political culture right now has invaded the geek culture, because it is a political culture, is the tribalism. And yeah. That's, and that's, you know, my team is... I don't care what you think. I want my team to win. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. My yeah. team has to win. Uh, you know, DC DC's better than Marvel, and Marvel's better than DC, and, and those fights go back, go way back between DC and Marvel fans, but it's not not like this. Sure, not, it was right. it was more lighthearted. Not, back it in was the day. fun. It, it was, wasn't toxic. It, it yeah. was it was I like Batman better than Wolverine. It wasn't it wasn't uh, right. you know I have to review bomb your movie because it has to do bad because that's uh, important to me. Because ladies can't do well. Uh, yeah, right. and, and when, a, when a Patriots fan <laughs> picks up a comic book. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's that's my biggest danger is that the, the tribalism that's consuming mm-hmm. everything is is here too yeah yes. so are, are any of us concerned about the consolidation yes actually that was that was where i was going that, next that's my big one expand right? like disney buying all of our toys oh yeah well. uh, actually <laughs> I, I, at least in the in the recent one that's like the most hilarious part to me because like they were trying to do the whole thing where they were review bombing and say go see alita but disney's buying alita so they're gonna get the money right anyway. <laughs> right <laughs> Because you guys are not doing it. It's like people who like boycott Starbucks by buying Starbucks and having them put their yeah. na- burn jer- buy their jerseys and then go it's burn like, them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh, let's buy. Let's burn I don't think you know Nike. how this is supposed like, to work. Hey guys, bur- burn more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting out their Nike logos. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that show showed Nike. Yeah. yeah. No, but so it's not just consolidation of, of all these materials, which actually has not necessarily been bad so far. Yet, yeah. I think yeah. yet. But in general, right the the 
these companies, these uh, these geek companies selling to larger companies or holding companies and large corporations mm-hmm. is they're gaining massive resources, which, yes, makes Avengers better, but all these other comic books, they're getting worse. Well, let me, let me, and they're getting less access to the mainstream. You know, yeah, sure, Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons go huge, but it makes it that much harder for any other startup or all these young people, all these people that have these fantastical ideas and passions in their, in their hearts and brains that they want to create and show, it makes it that much harder for them to come out and produce something into the world. I, I'm, I'm not... Oh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Forrest. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I know it makes it... It makes it a bit harder to do something mainstream, but because there are so many outlets, mm-hmm. you kind of don't have to go mainstream, and that's what where I think it opens it up. Like you, that's I true. think it's cooler now to do something that's niche because now, I mean, it's since you don't have to capture everybody. Like one of the biggest hurdles to like sci-fi and fantasy stuff going getting made was, I mean, we only had so many channels, and you had to capture everybody. There's not a race to capture everybody. Right. You can just capture a niche audience and as long as they're a solid core audience and that's fine or if it's like the net script uh, the Netflix model I just need subscribers. So I just got to pump out content. Right. I don't really care what you watch. I just got to keep you subscribing every month. Well, so. And think about think about how large of a crossover there is between the gay community and the hipster community mm-hmm. and, and what that does for independent comic labels and, and things of that sort. You know, there's people that are specifically being marketed to because they only want to read the stuff that nobody else is reading. They only want to play the games that <laughs> right. nobody else is playing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like, like conformist. I'm a... Uh, I'm not worried so much about horizontal consolidation as I would be about vertical consolidation. The, the difference is when Disney buys Fox, that's two creators consolidating. Um, and that's, I, I, I don't really care about that because there will always be more people who want to create. And again, the means of creation are getting cheaper and easier to produce high quality stuff. I worry about the vertical integration where the creator also owns the distributor who mm. also owns you know, the hardware maybe yeah. at some point. So it's more concerning to me that Disney now has a controlling stake in Hulu than it is, than I would worry. Because Disney, Disney could buy all of Hulu and it could theoretically at some point buy all of Netflix. And then you have really narrowed, Disney controls both what gets made and whether or not it gets seen is, is the scenario where I think you worry about stifling creativity. Mm. But I just, I have enough faith in sort of the marketplace that I don't feel like there's any danger of that right now. So I don't really care that they bought Fox. I think it's great. Marvel got all its characters back, except for uh, the... Almost. Almost, yeah. yeah. Uh, they got the one that counts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my take on I consolidation. Think, I think the biggest... I think another really big thing that we have to watch out for, though, is oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to come a point... Um, you know, people don't really think about it now, but you know, if you jump back 30 years, uh, uh, Westerns would be are today well, sorry westerns were then what superhero movies are today yeah and there was just western after western after western and they tried to do as many different takes on a western movie as they possibly could and while they didn't get to the width and breadth that comic book movies did um there still came a point where i mean when was the last time a western came out that anybody actually saw in a theater you know so i am whoa 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 cowboys versus aliens was incredible <laughs> <laughs> it was fun uh, oh. wild wild west I think uh-huh. well, no. I, I well, okay. I think I get that argument, but I think as long as you make a good comic book movie, 
then you'll always find an option. Because when they're good wrestlers, like, I remember it wasn't a huge, huge thing, but, like, when um when Tombstone came out. Tombstone was, was amazing. That was three ten, like, and 310 to Yuma was phenomenal. Exactly. So there's always one that'll come out. So, yeah, it might be a popular thing right now, but I don't think it, there's ever going to be a point where the genre just goes completely away. Yeah. It'll just whittle down to only the good shit. Right. Well, and I think that one, I think the d- big difference there is that. <laughs> Sorry, DC. Marvel. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I think, but I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about Marvel having done before is Marvel make, Marvel has made, stopped making superhero movies and started making movies with superheroes. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the rom-com with superheroes. I don't think we've gotten that yet, but I, <laughs> it's coming. But that's because like the MCU has it, Stan Lee, like just right. like Stan Lee was the guy to make sure that the comics had continuity. MCU has Kevin Feige to make sure that it has this kind of continuity. Yeah. You look over at WB, they don't really have that. No, and they're, they're that's, still. Uh, that's that's one of the the bigger issues over there eating paste. Yeah, which is why like going movie by movie is perfect for them. Don't try to connect it; just do movie by movie. Because I mean, obviously, the Nolan movies came out of WB. They can do good comic movies. Yes, like the, I personally love the Tim Burton Batman movies. Oh, I did they, too. They, well, the first couple. Yeah. No, the first. I said the Tim Burton ones. I didn't say yeah, nothing about the first Shoebacca. Shoebacker. 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 No, that's a whole other story. But yeah, I love those movies. And so we know they can do them. Right. It's just the point of if you're going to do it. All right. Uh, any, anybody else got anything else we, we should look at? No. Nope. We covered them all? All right. Yeah, I think Fantastic. Dude, thank you guys so much for having this conversation with us. I think we really, really enjoyed it. The These are my favorite episodes. Well, that's good. We got one more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so what do you guys think? Though, let us know. Let us know your thoughts. What's what's going great? What's going bad? Uh, what are you looking forward to? I personally, I personally just want. I just, I just want to play Dungeons and Dragons. That's really about all I. <laughs> just want to play D and D, man. That's all I want. Uh, all I right. just want. I just want book six. That's right. It's just, just can give I just, me. Can I just get book six? Can we talk? Can we, can we talk about how do audio books have done for geek culture too? Yeah. I yeah, mean. Yeah. I mean. Uh-huh. Listen. Anyway, uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get into some shameless plugs. We'll start over here. As are always, we not going to do paid well, segments? I'm so sorry. Let's pay some as bills. As always, we're going to do paid segments first. My bad. <laughs> Paying some my bills. Bad. My bad, my bad. Let's start out with doing Liz's mom. You're just fucking it Seriously. all today. Oh, I am fucking it all today. <laughs> yeah, not even close. Oh, my God. How long have I been doing this? What the hell? Let's start out by doing our book recommendation coming from thejlmo.com. JLMO, of course, our favorite local artist, uh, the author of the McShane, McMurder, McMinnie, Miss McNugget, McNugget Mc, Mr. McRib, <laughs> Mc something. Uh, I'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'll do it live. Uh, so we've, uh, I've actually, and JLMO does, has let me know that she is continuing to work on it. She got another couple of pages down. Uh, so that's what she always says. She she does. Likely well, story. Listen, I'm telling you, she's she's she is absolutely beaten. Martin. I heard last week she wasted t- a valuable writing time doing a podcast. She did. That's true, and uh, it was a, it wasn't even a great uh, podcast. <laughs> so uh, no well, fault of her own. No, no, but it was a, it was a great studio. Yeah, shitty so host. Was, <laughs> right. I mean, that's, you can't blame you can't blame. Me. So uh, who, who, were you? Am I doing that? Who's doing it? I'll do it. You doing? Okay. You got you got a book recommendation. I am. I'm, I'm switching it up from what I told you earlier too. Uh oh. I realized in, in my in my research. Is it the one I, I mentioned? <laughs> no. 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 Okay. It is not. <laughs> what you got for us? In uh, in my research for today's show, thinking about thinking deep about uh, you know what we what, what, why we like geek stuff. Uh, I read uh, an essay by C.S. Lewis called "On Three Ways of Writing for Children." 
that was published uh, in the 50s, and it was really, really excellent, uh, and uh, everybody should read it who likes, uh, who likes children's stories like we do, because they're not really in any meaningful way children's stories. They just, that's, that's where they got pigeonholed for a very long time before finding their coming out party in, over the last 15, 20 years. Awesome. So what was that called? On, uh, it's an essay on three ways of writing for children by C.S. Lewis. And Fantastic. You can find it for free online pretty easy. All right. There you go. There you go. And that, of course, coming from thejlmo.com. Grab her stuff. Uh, it's waiting for you on your Kindle. So 99 cents for uh, her three chapters. Sto- or sorry, five chapter stories uh, with the McShane. Also, you can check out thejlmo.com for blog posts and for all of her other, a bunch of other short stories. So make sure you check that out. Next is the part where we all uh, say hi to Kelly. So... Hey Kelly. Hey Kelly. Hi Kelly. Hi Kelly. Oh hi Kelly. She pays good money for these hellos. Oh hey. Don't sleep. Uh, hello. Kelly. Do not you? sleep. I don't even want to. Uh, and now the part is where we do Liz's mom. Hooray! I just got. I got really excited. I just wanted to. <laughs> it's just fair. Wanted to it's fair. It's the second to the last time you get to do Liz's mom. I so know, right? Savor every well, moment of it. To your knowledge. <laughs> On the air. Right. <laughs> On there the air. Uh, how does NASA organize a party? They plan it. <sighs> little plan of words, little sprinkle. So of, these uh, aren't getting better as we go. No, that's <laughs> no. I mean, I thought I thought I'd throw it in the towel. Uh, it turns out, I guess Patreon if you want. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's, if, this is uh, this is your last opportunity, folks. <laughs> yeah. Even Liz's, the, even Liz's mom is like only one more episode. She's uh, she's she's phoning it in. This is like the the save Ferris. Cry of for geek's sake! The second to last episode. This, yeah, this, this is the moment. This is the moment when when hundreds and hundreds of listeners uh, are all going to flock and each donate, you know, start, start pledging five, ten bucks each, and suddenly we're going to be able to quit our jobs and just do this. Yep. Uh, that's the dream. This is that's what's going to happen. But guys, it has to happen this week. So yeah. if you're waiting for your last minute, this Chops is uh, yeah, let's go and do it. <laughs> I'm gonna, which is weird. I mean, I'm I'm counting on it because I turned in my two week notice at work today. So I'm <laughs> on the assumption that you guys were all going to show up. So hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, that should be how's it gambling, man? Yeah, exactly. That should be fine, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Fine. totally. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, okay, so now we'll do sh- now shameless plugs. Do we do shameless plugs now. Okay. <laughs> I'm being told you to Second now. last episode, you think he'd have it down by now? <laughs> nope. Uh, as always, you He's can find me what? at epiceventsorlando.com for all your DJ service needs. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, I guess Uber Eats because burger socks. <laughs> bring, bring it back, burger socks. All right, do it. Do burger it. socks never left. Oh, uh, I would like to uh, do a little callback to a game called Minecraft. Yes. Okay. Brad's gotten onto this with me recently, right? And, you know, I, I've played it, but I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I'm playing it again, and it's even better than I remember it. It's the most zen game. Well, that's what <laughs> I wanted. Except when the yeah, goddamn zombie knocked up. me in the lava <laughs> twice, and I lost my diamond pickaxe. Al's all creative so mode. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> me and Brad did play last night. He, we got decked out in iron armor and all of our tools. We went down, and, and as soon as he stepped under the first block of the dungeon... Literally, I lasted three a, seconds. A skeleton knocked him into the lava, and he died. And, and then... then and then we go around through. This is, and we're playing this for a Zen relaxing game, right? <laughs> you go through, he finds diamonds, make a diamond pickaxe. He gets all this loot. And he's like, I'm going back before I lose this loot. And I'm like, all right, have fun. <laughs> and I hear him battling his way out. Like, like, no, I, like, killed, I successfully killed four creepers, two zombies. There was at least two skeletons out yeah. there. And then like I'm on the last two step, steps from yeah. the exit. 
He gets hit in the lava. I'm hitting again. the lava again. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm yeah. logging. True, true story. Okay, well, that's really inspirational. I think a lot of people are going to want to play now. Yeah. Well, I, I started playing because I was like, I need a multiplayer game that's super zen and relaxing because I'm tired of getting like stressed out playing shooters and stuff right before bed. And I looked and looked and, well, I found Minecraft. I'm like, so far, it, the other night, I started, uh, Brad started digging a hole. And, true. and the scale of things, it's a very, very large hole. And I started about like 9.15. I started Lord, digging the hole, just you know, mining the brick. And I was doing laundry and waiting for the laundry. I looked up. It was 12.30. I yeah. was just literally holding the key, holding the button and pushing a key for hours, just zoned out as hard as as hard as you could zone. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> Minecraft, get it, guys. All right, uh, what you got, Liz? Uh, so I'm gonna shamelessly plug, and uh, t- t- mine is like a cringy plug. Okay, uh, so net, are you unplugging or no? I'm not unplugging. So Hulu uh, dropped Pen Fifteen which is an original series following two girls going through middle school in the, in the year 2000. So in it's, the year 2000. Oh, I love that bit. It's what? It's my favorite bit. <laughs> <laughs> Old Conan O'Brien. Oh, yeah. okay. Back in the day, day. Uh, with, with y- Andy y- Richter. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's, it's like, it's the cringiest show that I think I've ever watched in my entire life because it's like, I, I don't need to relive that. Like it sucked <laughs> the first time. So yeah, no, watch it. If you want to feel awful about your past, if you were a young girl I mean, uh, that's in middle school in the early two thousands, but the soundtrack is like on point. Wow. So between you and Elijah, that's just a lot of inspiration right there. <laughs> yeah. All for, right. for some reason, Hulu thinks I should watch that show. It keeps trying to get me to watch it. I don't know why. <laughs> were, were you a young girl I'm not, growing not, up in the early 2000s? Not, not that I recall. <laughs> Never say never. Never we say know. never. Mm-hmm. All right, Brad, what you got? Oh, no, I got two good plugs. Well, I'm going to just re-plug Umbrella Academy because I'm watching it now. Oh. I'm like six episodes in. It's really good. Yeah. So, so good. So that's all. Slow it burn. It's a slow it's burn. Per- it's good. I like but it. But it's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. My other, my other shameless. Just the right pace. <laughs> my other shameless plug is super nerdy. Fountain pens. Is anybody anybody right with fountain pens? I have several Eli? times, and I it's love so satisfying pens. every time. <laughs> Eli, this seems like a you thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Brad's not done. Yeah, I, I have no. I have an extra fountain pen. You should have. Yeah, I'll give it to you. And uh, no, it's fun. These are this is this is a cheap fountain pen. This is like twelve bucks, uh, which is a lot for a pen, mm-hmm. except that it you don't replace it. You just fill, refill it with ink so it lasts forever and you can use whatever colors you like. This is this color is called Oxblood and it's a nice like really dark reddish brown that does look a little like dried blood when it dries, but it's a nice dark red for <laughs> marking up documents and uh, it's a lot of fun. I, okay, I, but I now, write But not, not tell them about the calligraphy. No, I'm not doing that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm, that's not happening. Way right. to blow up his scene. Yeah, I'm blowing no, up No, dude, spot. it's awesome. No, I'm not, I wasn't blowing up his scene. It was freaking amazing. I watch calligraphy <laughs> videos on YouTube no, to, I, like, chill. I, like, that's... The, you well, want to talk about satisfying, like, watching people do that? It's, it's incredible. Like, oh, if man. anybody watched this show on YouTube, I would practice the... I would, <laughs> oh, I would give you a demonstration. Oh, holy but shit. Uh, we get occasional flat earthers. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we've got... We get, like, eight, maybe 12 an episode, I bet, if so. we na- I bet if we named the episode something with calligraphy in the title, we would get a lot more hits because yeah. people would be like, oh. We should put calligraphy, calligraphy greater than <laughs> flat earth. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you can have a 90 minute bonus episode about calligraphy. <laughs> yeah, just go. let me know. It's incredible. All right. Uh, Forrest, what you got? Uh, I am out here in these podcast streets, man. Um, <laughs> um, so I have essentially two podcasts that I'm running. I'm doing um, while you were sleeping 
And I have another one that I just started up with a good friend of mine that is in uh, Australia. We decided that we wanted to challenge our ability to schedule things. Because, you know, 16-hour time difference, why not? Yeah. Um, But it's called something like, but not quite. Um, It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, we're just out here just doing stuff. Both of those are kind of available on all streaming platforms. Um, So please check out on the geek side of things. If y'all not watching Deadly Class, I don't know what to tell you. That shit is dope. Deadly Class is ill. Mm. It tell, is, tell them about it. Uh, Russo Brothers uh, of Avengers, Infinity War, and sure. Endgame, uh, they decided to bring this. It's from a graphic novel. Uh, is it a graphic novel or was it a full comics? I think it was a graphic novel. I think it was a graphic novel. Because it, it doesn't feel like you can extend this forever. This shit got to end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really great. Awesome show set in the 80s. Uh, kids are teenagers in high school, but they're in high school to learn how to be deadly assassins. Really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, it's on the Sci-Fi channel. So please check it out. It's really, really dope. Awesome. You know, hang on. Props to Forrest because I typed something like into my iTunes <laughs> search. He was number six. Nice. nice. The goddamn oh, six item that pops up. Like, that's a... See, that, that's yeah. some solid naming right there. <laughs> that's some solid naming. And, uh, that is what that is right there. <laughs> uh, all right. So I got a... Uh, I, I think there's... I got two. They're both trailers that you can find on YouTube. Um, the first one, uh, the new Aladdin trailer dropped. And I was, I was with folks who were a little concerned about Will Smith. Uh, I was really excited when they announced him as the genie. And mm-hmm. then that first little bit, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. But the uh, the new trailer dropped, and I'll, uh, d- phenomenal. That's didn't that's I tell you? No, and I w- and I was hopeful. I was hopeful. This I needed Will Smith. I needed them to let Will Smith be Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Sure. Don't. And I know a lot of folks are like, well, it's no Robin Williams. To which I say, yes, obviously he's not Robin Williams. Yeah. I don't want anybody to try to be. I don't. I didn't need. If they had cast Zach Galifianakis as the genie, I would be terrified. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, because like you don't want you. We're not looking for manic comedy here. We're looking for a completely different take on the yeah. genie. Don't try to mess with what Robin Williams did. You can't do it. That just save save us all the trouble now. But uh, uh, you, Will Smith has got this effortlessly cool thing going on, and and there's a lot of fun to it. And there's just think there's a universe where the genie is Adam Sandler. Oh my no. God. Oh God. No, no, there is not. Yeah, somewhere nope. in the multiverse. Mm-mm. Nope, not, nope, <laughs> nope. That's the darkest of all. The darkest I'm going to go, go DC and shut that timeline down, okay? <laughs> we're going to be down to 51 goddamn universes. That's what we're going to be at. Uh, but no, so that was that was absolutely great. So check, if you, if you were like me and you were a little concerned, check out the newest trailer. And while you're there, check out the goddamn trailer to uh, Ninja Teenage Mutant, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. Because this... And no, don't don't patronize I'm me. I'm not. I am with you. This watching... I I'm never here supporting you. knew how much I needed Shredder and Ra's al Ghul to team up. Yeah. I never knew how much I needed to see Batman toss Shredder like a goddamn sack of potatoes. I think, you know, this is like this is like everything that you did with your toys if exactly. you were a child mm. coming true. Exactly. Like if Man at Arms comes showing up to blow this all up, it's that's <laughs> it. They officially just pulled it straight away. Hey, hey, where, where does this take place? Gotham. Gotham. All right. So you got two uh, heroes. You got two villains in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 no! no. Oh, all the villains. three villains. All, no, all the goddamn least, Well, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. showed the whole rogues gallery. Yeah. They got Bane. They got Poison Ivy. They got uh, a Joker. Two Most Joker. importantly, Joker. Yeah. yeah, you've got. But but it looks like it's Ra's al Ghul and the Shredder teaming it up. And then the, just it's. I like it. Who's Batman gonna call? 
Oh, he doesn't Ninja call Turtles. No, no one actually. Oh, yeah, no one. Ghostbusters are in it too. Uh, Batgirl was in it, right? <laughs> yeah, Bat- yeah Batgirl, Batgirl and Robin are both in there okay. with, with Batman. Yeah. Uh, Pre-killing the, joke, apparently. Uh, uh, yeah, but nope. Don't don't bring. Maybe that up. he'll get one of the turtles this time. Uh, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. So anyway, it uh, it looks it looks phenomenal. Check out the trailer because oh my god, I lost I lost a good hour at work today. I just saw the thing popped up and I checked it out real quick. It's like a two minute trailer and then I couldn't focus on anything Question. else. I'm still recovering from the what ifs, right? Is uh, Raphael the leader of no. the Ninja Turtles? No, it has a look and feel. I would closely, most closely put it at the, the late 90s Ninja Turtle cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was one of the best ones um, up there. So you've got like, it's a little, I don't know, it's a little cheap looking. No, no, no. no. The, well, yes, but I mean, the animation, but the animation, I mean, I mean, as far as the, the, the way they've developed these characters, you yeah. know, well, I mean, it's simple um, style. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's not like the original where everything was really silly. It's not like the, the most, the, the most recent one where suddenly Raph is in charge. Like this is, this is pretty pure classic Ninja. Not the Teen Titans go style. N- no, it's not that either. <laughs> so anyway, so that's, those are those, those are both things that happened. So uh, that is going to do it, folks. Uh, so hope you guys, if you guys haven't checked it out already, check out our spoiler-filled conversation on Captain Marvel, which I'm assuming will be good. We haven't recorded it yet. And I uh, <laughs> want to say a big thank you to, uh, to Forrest and to Brad for coming in and hanging out with us today. One episode left. Oh. Join us next week. It'll be, uh, we're going to get super drunk. Let me just go tell you that right so now. So drunk. We're going to be just schnockered. So just, anybody was hoping got, for a quality got, final episode, we're not going out with a bang. we got to finish the bar. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we do. We have. It looks like you can't travel with liquor. Right, not not in the open bottle, and apparently not in your bloodstream. So, hey. uh, so the uh, it's actually starting to look a lot like a college freshman dorm over there. We just got like a line of empty liquor bottles, like a little little farewell to arms. Uh, this is great. I'm gonna have to get more liquor for tomorrow for next week. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. So again, thank you guys all so much for listening. Check us out at all the places you can check us out and join that Facebook page because that'll be the only place you can find us. Uh, <laughs> until next time, this is Al Sterling saying, I'm going to need clarification on the space invasion.